Hey, Balls of Magic. Welcome back to How to Be Queer Podcast. My name is Alex. My pronouns are they, them. Hi, Alex. Hi, Kimmy. My my name, uh, yes, hi, Kim. Pronouns, she, her. This is like our 18th time to take, you know, do this episode. That's fine. You were singing a song earlier on, but I just wanted to go over one more time. Do you want me to sing it? Do it. You won't break my soul. You won't break my soul. Mm-hmm. I can't, I'm not like a huge Beyonce fan. Like, I love her because yeah. she's freaking Beyonce. Totally. But like, I'm not like a super fan of Beyonce. Yeah. But that song and they, and I, you know, cycle to it and I'm like, you will not break my soul. I love that song. Well, talk about power and repetition. Cause she just says it over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's like, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, oh, and then I go to like a goodwill hunting when Robin Williams tells Matt Damon oh, over geez. and over, over again, wasn't your fault. Wasn't your fault wasn't your fault. And that's and then, how he cracks them. Cracks them. Then you hear, you won't break my soul. And you're like, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. No, you won't yeah, break no, my soul. No, you won't. <laughs> I'm here, motherfuckers. I will say Goodwill Hunting, probably a movie that I cried. Like maybe, like, I think I was ugly crying in that theater. Yeah. Like the sobbing, the sniffling, <laughs> the snot, the whole thing like that. That movie broke my soul. It really did. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I love that movie. I probably haven't seen it in like 10 years. I still think about that line. I got to go see about a girl. Oh, that's you. Hey, <laughs> this is going to work out well. <laughs> Should we do like the business thing? We're supposed to do oh, yeah. We just like full on go into the flirting. <laughs> Sounds good. So we, we're going to give a shout out, of course, to our, our sponsors, Youth Scene. Uh, go check them out on youthsee.org. Hit the donate button. It's a giant button that says donate. You cannot miss it. You can't miss it throw them some cash that will continue to support all of the incredible work that they do in the community for the QT BIPOC and LGBTQ communities and their families and youth. I I think people should just give all the money to them. Yeah. Just give all the money, all the money. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? Power. Because I know we're usually super well organized and like a really, really high class um, podcast here. Do I need to do, say like that? We talk about like all the things, like we swear, we talk about sex, oh, yeah. we talk about queerness, we talk about jacked up shit that's going on well, in the world. Is this like a trigger warning? Does that count? Cody Rigsby today on our, on our, on my workout talked about, um, someone had written him and said, I liked you better when you, you, swore less cursed less and cody's like where the fuck did you get that idea (laughs) did i ever tell you that i wasn't gonna fucking cuss show me the receipts because yeah he well and he said that you know for for his classes you have to say i'm okay with explicit content yeah and he's like so you said you were okay with it and now you're complaining that you got it you listen so listen why are you mad So here's what I'm going to say again. Our podcast, not for children, (laughs) not for children. We talk about all sorts of things. Oh, we do. We talk about things that are of adult content. And you know what? We like to swear, especially when I get mad. I like to swear. Fuck. Yeah, me too. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. So power episode. Um, We've been talking about power for a, a while. I don't know. And I'm not exactly sure why it's been such a topic between us lately. Um, but people have told us when, you know, when we get feedback about our podcast, the thing that they love is they feel like they're sitting at our kitchen table. Mm-hmm. I, I take it that that's like a nice way to compliment us about being like, what the hell are you two doing? 
or that we're accessible and friendly. Of course we are. Let's Hi. go with that one. Let's go I mean, with that one. If you come to our house, we're going to either offer you a, a, a spin drift or a glass of wine. Sometimes both. Sometimes both. <laughs> because sometimes I have a glass of wine, but then I have to have a spin drift because I'm trying to like, I don't know, sleep at night. Yeah. It sucks getting old. It does. Can I just say that? <laughs> it just like there's some things like for this power episode, there's parts of getting older because you step into your power and you claim it and you don't give a fuck, right? Yeah. Like that's the part about getting older that is what makes getting older awesome. But can I tell you, I want my fucking second glass of wine. Like I just mm-hmm. fucking want it because I want it. Mm-hmm. And then at 3 a.m., I'm like, why the fuck did I do that? And then it's the spiral. Yeah. Of why am I staring at the ceiling? Why did I have that second glass of wine? Why did I think that and carbs and fat and salt was good for me? Why are my jeans tight? What am I doing? I'm having an existential crisis. <laughs> That's the part of getting older that I'm like, fuck this shit. Mm-hmm. I want that second glass of wine. I mean, uh, me too. Can't have it. Nope. And that's with the book. Cause I think I've mentioned it on here before. I've been trying to follow this man, man, menopause manifesto book. Mm-hmm. And it like, it, I keep shouting out about it because if you're in your late forties and you're in that perimenopause thing, it's kind of, it, it's kind of a mind fuck. Like it just is all of a sudden you're like, what is my body doing? I, I don't understand. And at the same time, Alex, I'm letting my gray hair grow in and I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I, this is all a mistake. Like, so what am I doing? You're, you're doing your best to step into your, in, into your power. I am doing my best to step into my power, but at the same time, I'm like, can I not, can I step back 20 years in time? That feels way more comfortable. Well, I mean, either way it'd be stepping into your power. Like I have the power to dye my hair or I have the power to grow it out. Well, and I have, the, and I have the power that even if, after, even after I grow out my gray hair, if I don't like it, well then who the fuck cares? I do what I want. It's that's, my head. That's right. But it's, it's, it, it is a little unnerving, mm-hmm. right? That all of a sudden you, you are starting to see yourself through this lens of like, I really, really, really love the woman that I've grown into, mm-hmm. but from a body and beauty perspective, I'm like, what the hell is happening to me? <laughs> I just mentioned it because you know, I'm not alone. True. No. So can I ask you a super personal question? Okay. So, I mean, sure. Yeah, of course. I mean, we've talked about it. On, I, I know I can ask you one, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to throw a curveball for you. You love when I do this. Okay. Um, when it's yeah. like nowhere in the notes of anything we've even remotely uh, talked about. Uh, okay. Do you think, cause you've talked about the fact that you take hormone therapy. Yeah. Do you think it's aiding you in aging? Because you don't really look like you're aging. <laughs> do you think it's, do you think it's, it's, it's helping you to not age. Is it preserving me? <laughs> like, I'd like to think that like the olives and wine are preserving me, but I don't think they are. Do you, do you know if there's like anti-aging benefits to being on hormone therapy? Um, I have ne- no, I don't know. I've never heard of that. I can only just say exercise and water and that I actually just love who I am, which I think maybe sometimes I don't know. I don't know. You look really good though. And I feel like a shriveled, like, I don't know what's up with me today. I dress like a, like a 20 year old. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think you dress like a 20 year old. No. Okay. No, you got cute little style. I think, I think sometimes I, well, like last night we, we went to dinner and I was like all in this crisis about like, what should I wear? I'm, I look too young, too old, blah, 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 blah. Oh, the voice in our heads sometimes. And right. Then, yeah. And then finally, like you heard me say, I'm like, step into your power of what shirt will I wear? <laughs> Well, because I do think that clothing is a, is an exp- it's an expression of who we are, right? Yeah. And it's it 
listen, you, you put a cute outfit on me with a good hair day and like eight hours of sleep, which like very rarely happens. And I will power like through my day being like, I am cute today. Mm -hmm. It's just, as I get older, those days are less and less and less, which is kind of what fucks with you. Right. I I think it reminds me of like, you know, there's the power that we're talking about stepping into our power, but also like the, the energetic vibration that you feel when you feel good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, let's go Which back to the second, com- let's go back to the second glass of wine problem. Very- that second <laughs> glass of wine does not, it's like, can, can you fucking wake up and realize it's going to feel good for about 20 minutes. <laughs> and then the, like for the next 24 hours, it's going to feel like shit. Don't do the second glass of wine. Boring. It is boring. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be tipsy and flirty and fun. And my body's like, yeah, you do, but not that much. <laughs> Maybe we just make sure we drink like 32 ounces of water before bed. Okay. But therein okay. lies the problem, right? Because <laughs> can I just name it? Nobody wants to number one. Have you ever, have we ever, and I know I see you drinking out of your gallon jug that you, I mean, it's like a weapon. Like it's got to help someone if they ever tried to come up with you and assault you while you're holding that jug. <laughs> Cause you would just <laughs> pretty much <laughs> like you don't even need the pepper spray. Like just hit them with your water bottle that you carry around all day. But that's the thing though, about drinking that much water. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you, this, and I swear to God, it's all fucking connected of like why we're just screwed in life because number one, I've had two children. So anytime drinking a ton of water, like just don't make me laugh too hard. Right. <laughs> because that's problematic, but then trying to go to sleep at night, after you've had that much water, I'm like, what the hell? We're mm-hmm. just going to be up peeing all night. I mean, I'd like to, I mean, eventually like your bladder gets used to it, but I was thinking about that night that I'm doing that dance move with our 13 year old. I'm like peeing myself. I'm like, stink him. <laughs> I, I got to make sure I shower tonight. <laughs> you were doing the sturdy with her. Yeah. And so if you don't know what the sturdy dances, our 13 year old was teaching it to Alex and I'm like, and she, she was like, mom, try this. And I'm like, oh, fuck, no, I'm not going to try this. You guys are doing great. But it's almost like it reminds me of like, because you go down on the floor and you're like kicking each leg out. It reminds me of the, I don't know if. And what is the name the, for that dance? Like the, hey, hey, I don't remember. Like in the, in the nutcracker, like the, the Russian soldier dance where they squat and kick. Yeah. It looks kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, you were doing it and you, you lost a little pee. I did. And I had two C-sections. I don't know what the fuck that's up with. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it happens to everybody. It just that, happens to that, everyone. That yeah. has the anatomy that we do. I guess so. That's fucked up. <laughs> Does it happen to men? Or people, does it happen to people with a penis? Uh, oh, that's a good, qu- I don't have one. I don't, I, I, that's a good question. I if you have a penis and you pee yourself, <laughs> when, when, this is, this is listener. <laughs> it's only 2 p.m. We're not drinking. I promise. <laughs> I swear. I really feel bad sometimes for people that, but I guess you willingly come back to keep listening to us. If, if you have a penis and you pee yourself when you squat or jump, would you please um, email us at how to be here podcast? At like Gmail. I'm dying to know. Yeah. I'm dying to know. Yep. Okay. If this is just another thing that just happens to people with the anatomy that we have, because sometimes <laughs> as those people, I feel like we are just fucked in life. <laughs> I would love to know what bro friend is thinking right now. Bro oh friend. God. I just can only imagine the notes I'm going to get. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Moving on. We are supposed to, we wanted to, we've been having a lot of conversations about 
power. And as we get older, how do we step into it as allies, as all, all, <laughs> should we pause for a second? Oh, no, it's, it's a compressor. There. Yeah, it's fine. Because you know, it's never a calm day around here. It'll probably, it'll probably be fine. It's gonna be fine. Okay. So it, we've been just talking about power, who has it, um, how do you use it? What is it? What does it look like to yield it? What does it look like to step into it? We've just been having a lot of conversations about this recently. And there, and there's gotta be different kinds. I mean, it feels like that. Oh, absolutely. I think there are like, usually when I'm thinking of power, I'm thinking of two things. I'm thinking of how am I owning myself? Mm -hmm. Um, how am I owning my own experiences? My own, I don't love this word, my own journey. Um, because I think the visibility of stepping into that power inevitably reaches somebody so that we feel less alone and more connected. And then I also think of power in terms of allyship and how, you know, power dynamics and how I'm, I am hopefully always attempting to use my power for good and yielding it. And, and also when that, when this gets into like advocacy work and stuff, which we can talk about later as we go through this, but there's all sorts of different ways in which I'm, I'm looking at, at power. Mm-hmm. But you recently, you had, can we just like dive into like the really weird shit that happened this week? Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's just address that and get it out of the way. Um, so speaking of listener, listener mail, oh, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Let's talk about listener mail. Okay. So I got a fake cease and desist letter from <laughs> a, a dear listener. Does that listener also carry a whiteboard? <laughs> Possibly. Um, never used his name on this podcast. You're welcome. And, but basically he wants us to stop talking about him and, or he thinks anyway. So that was kind of a joke of like, you know, listener mail, but I got a fake, I got a cease and desist from the person that, um, well, we've been talking about him. We have. Yeah. On on a serious note, we've just never named him the episodes that were based with the, um, it was never about queerness episodes. So power coming in, he is using his, what I think what he believes to be power to dominate and control. And, you know, he talked about hearsay and slander and defamation of character and hearsay is, you know, yeah. well, you do, you have a, uh, would you actually, well, hearsay, it's just it's from someone else. Yeah. Like hearsay is from, is from somebody else. It wasn't, you weren't there. Somebody told you you're basing an opinion or something off of information that you didn't witness yourself or happened to yourself. And that Alex is not what you're doing. Right. You are, you and I are both talking about our specific lived experience. Yeah. And in speaking about that lived experience, that is claiming your power. Right. And so this getting this letter was very, um, I mean, I opened it and laughed Oh yeah, because I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is, this is ridiculous. And it continues on that narrative of, you know, he believes I'm not allowed to tell my story and that no one else that, that the arrogance that there oh, yeah. couldn't possibly be any other perspective except his Mm. and i'm like you know what fucker there is and and life and the world is going to somehow sometime teach you that you're not in control you can't 
you can't quiet another person's voice. You shouldn't quiet quiet another, no, another person's voice. And my power coming in, like I am going to tell my experiences and my story in my life when I want to whom I want, wherever I want. So yep. you can fuck all the way off. You won't break my soul. You won't <laughs> break my soul. Sorry. I felt a dance moment. Come on. And you know, when you shared, I'm going to, I'm going to connect this up to the clip from Hannah Gatsby. She's got a, a, a special on Netflix. That's probably maybe 10 years old. Yeah. Um, and you know, she says, you destroy the woman, you destroy the power. I will not allow my, my story to be destroyed. That's right. And so it's like, yeah, I lived for, for decades with, with a person who did everything he could to destroy my story. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, no, stop wasting my fucking time. Mm -hmm. Stop, stop hurting your children. Stop hurting everyone around you. Stop hurting me and just stop the same exact thing that you're saying you're telling me to do. You're telling me don't tell the truth. Boo hoo. I don't fucking care. Yeah. I don't care either. Um, and, and, and truthfully, when you told me you got that letter, like I, I, I think I was crying laughing because yeah. it came via certified mail. I'm like just another way to control. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really transparent. Yeah. I don't like what you're saying about me. So I am going to try to exert my power and control over you to once again, scare you out of telling a story. Yeah. Well, let me just remind our listeners. It didn't work out well for this person. The last time they tried to threaten and demand things from us. Right. It's not going to work out well again, mm -hmm. because you are dealing with two people, two people that are stepping into their power. And I will tell you, motherfucker, you're not going to break my soul and you're certainly not going to break your, your soul is not going to be broken. So you can take your phony letters and you know what, if you want your story out there so bad, you got a whiteboard, you can write it down on that whiteboard and flash it to the motherfucking world. That's what I have to say about that. Just hope your elbow doesn't bump it and erase it. You piece of shit. Right. Okay. So before I move on, I'm going to sh uh, share with the listeners. Um, if you would like to read I wrote my own little response back mm. and I did not send it back to him, but I put it out on our blog spot Good, because it is my story to tell and I will do it wherever I want to. So October also being national uh, domestic violence awareness month. So if you go to howtobequeer.blogspot.com, you'll see your longer you'll response. You'll see my long response. And I wrote that for me and for yeah. anyone else who needs to know that they are not alone. I'm going to just say one more thing about this and then we'll move on. Um, but for our listeners out there, like I can't imagine Alex that you and I are going to spend any more time. No talking about this person. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. Um, in fact, I don't think we would have even talked about it today, except for the fact that, you know, we got a cease, a cease and desist letter. And I'm always like you, you, you and I've always said this, the reason we put those podcasts out was because we know, and we know because we get letters from people that there are other people in the same system of abuse where the court at times is going to feel like it's almost defending the abuser mm -hmm. and you're stuck. Um, and so that was the whole reason we wanted to put that story out to begin with is, is none of us are, you're never alone. There's always somebody. And, and sometimes the connection and healing comes from hearing another person's words. Yeah. And so that was why we did 
all of those podcast episodes about it. It wasn't because we wanted to get him in any way. The court system took care of that. He took care of that himself. Yeah. It wasn't to get anybody. That being said, I am so done giving this person any space in our lives anymore mm-hmm. that you listeners, you probably will never really hear about it again. Yeah. And that is not in reflection of a cease and desist letter. That is a reflection of it's so inconsequential. Anything he does at this point. Yeah. It gonna, just is. We're going to, we're going to focus on our, what we've always done, which is our energy into building life and creating joy and yeah. um, being authentic and telling stories and telling the truth and just it's living just what it is. Yeah. So that's where I guess I'm like, take your cease and desist and go choke on it. But like at the same time, like, yeah, I I really don't have anything left to say. Yeah. Do you? I mean, I guess it comes up from time to time, especially when we're trying to understand how abuse works. Yeah. I I think, I think I want to just, there's a vulnerability to talking about it, but also always the layer, always coming, circling back over and over and over to the layer of you are not alone. Mm-hmm. You tell your story to stay connected because the someone trying to control your story um silences you, which keeps you disconnected. Well, and I want to go like a step, let's take a step farther of and I don't I don't want to spend too much time on this, but will you indulge me like a little bit to talk about the people that have power and privilege, what they're really doing when they try to silence someone. Cause they're trying, it's something very specific that, that when you have power mm-hmm. and you are a person that is going to be believed or you're in the center, we talked about the, the wheel of understanding intersectionality. And when you're in the center of that wheel and you hold power, you will do anything to keep it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means what we're seeing right now, which is I'm going to demand and scare and you will do this or I will insert whatever threat that it is. Yeah. Like it's purposeful what they're doing. I'm trying to keep power. I'm trying to keep my power. So I'm going to demean and threaten and harass you until you just do what I want. Yeah. It's wrong. Yeah. It's just wrong. Yeah. Every person deserves to have their voice and experience heard. You can't control that. Yeah. If if you think that you're going to get connection and th- through the world of, of doing that, it's completely the opposite effect. Yeah. Because what ends up happening is, you know, you destroy the woman, you try to destroy the power. Well, I guess we're just not going to allow our story to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking a couple lines from Hannah's, you know, um, from Hannah's special of paint the world, a better place that if you fear, this is this, the part where that really kind of, if you fear difference, you learn nothing. Mm-hmm. And so if you are in the center of that power wheel, um, because you believe you have the, the arrogance and to, to think that you know it all and know all the perspectives, you, (laughs) you are just deluding yourself. Exactly. The opposite of, of strength. Yeah. She said a line in there too. And it said, there's nothing stronger than a broken woman who has rebuilt herself. 
And so I know that that's a very, it's, it's very gen, uh, genderized with, and, and I know you don't identify as a woman well, but and I, wouldn't use herself, but the, the notion of oh, it, yeah, right? The message like, comes through. There's nothing stronger than a human who has been broken and then rebuilds themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, um, that's all I think we'll say about that particular person in particular, but in talking about different different aspects of power, the trans teen story as the homecoming court. Can you, do you want to tell everybody about that? Because talk about somebody stepping into some power. Exactly. So there's a trans teen. Her name is, I should say, well, I'm trying to be very, um, depending on how a teenager who's transgender. Mm -hmm. Um, her name is Cassie Steiner. She's, she lives somewhere in Ohio. Yay. Go bucks. Oh my God. (laughs) Whatever. Um, and she goes to a very, well, as her mother said, not very progressive school. And the story is that her home, she got elected to in, into homecoming court as the sophomore homecoming princess. And so a guidance counselor called her mother a couple of days later and said, I need to tell you that th- th- this was a mean spirited joke. However, that came about and the school obviously was not prepared and equipped to um, handle it. So Cassie was like, fuck y'all. I'm going to own this and I'm going to take the opportunity to make history as trans royalty, Mm -hmm. she called it, and step into my power because when they go low, we're going to go high. And um, yeah, there's there's a picture of her on the football field waving her hand with with her crown on. Talk about you won't break my soul. Yeah, she used it as a as an opportunity to to promote acceptance. Well, I'm really I'm really really happy that Cassie chose to step into her power, and Mom was um, affirming of that and mm-hmm. right along with her. But can I tell you what 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 was the other thing that occurred to me from this story? Yeah. So how did that how did that happen at that school? Right. And so, and I'm kind of speaking a little bit from like personal experience as a parent that, you know, parenting is really, really, really hard. It Mm -hmm. is, it is, everybody says the cliche, like it's hard, but then you, you are in it and you're like, this is really fucking hard. Right. Because it, it just, it is what it is. Being Mm -hmm. a parent is one of the hardest things you're, you're ever going to do probably ever do. Right. And so I was thinking about this, about the kids at that school that said, let's vote this girl in as a joke. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about like, where did those kids get the information that like this was funny or something to do? Mm -hmm. And so I know we kind of always go to like, well, they must have learned it at home. And like, well, yes. I mean, there's a, there is absolutely a percentage of the population that, yeah, you're, you are hearing anti-trans rhetoric from you, you learn it in your house, but here's the thing. I think there is also, and this is the thing we don't talk about as much. I think there's absolutely the parents that are good parents that they say they don't say anything anti-trans, but they don't say anything pro-trans either. Mm -hmm. And so where that gap is, that void, that void gets filled with all of the messages that we're taking in elsewhere. And unfortunately for our trans community, the anti-trans rhetoric across the country is really, really loud. Yeah. And so it's filling that gap. 
Yeah. So kids are trans kids are getting it from so many angles. Oh, I mean, like there's whole states that are like, yep, you're not going to, I mean, it it was just about bathrooms for a while. And then this has been systematic in the way, well, we're at first, it's going to be about bathrooms. Then it's going to be about sports. Then it's going to be about gender affirming care. Then it's going to be, you know, if somebody acknowledges and gives you care, well, they're going to go to jail. Now it's, if you if you're in the state of Florida and you are a child and you have two dads or two moms or non-binary mom or whatever, whatever the makeup is for the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. and your teacher says, well, what did you do over the weekend? And you say, well, my two dads took me to the zoo. Like that is against their policy. Oh my God. I'm like, can we really think about the message then that that poor child is getting? I can't talk about my family. So if, so I'm going to bring this back, but if you are a parent and maybe you think, well, I'm a really good person, right? Like I do all the things I'm, I'm there for my kids. I'm, you know, doing the homework, supporting, loving all the uh, things that they need, but you're not like doing that extra step of having those conversations. That's the noise then that's filling the void. Yeah. Yep. So what I, what I have found, and, and I'm guilty of this myself at one point, you know, I had one kid that got really, really mixed up about some stuff and was using some language that I'm like, why the hell are you, what, what, what is coming out of your mouth? I don't understand what's coming out of your mouth right now. And what I recognized was that my voice inside our house was not loud enough to be drowning out the stuff that he had been taking in outside of our house. Mm. So I relate this to to Kendi, who, um, if anybody has read um, his work in how to be anti-racist, it's if we're talking about the LGBTQ community or we're talking about, you know, anti-blackness, um, anti-people of color, anti-anything, whatever it is, we t- these systems tend to, in this racism and oppression, continues to thrive because of the like I'm a good person concept. Right. Where it's like, well, I'm not actively participating in interpersonal racism. I'm a good person. I like everybody, but you're not actually taking the steps to be anti-racist or Mm -hmm. anti-oppression. And it, it, because it's work, you have to be stepping in and filling that void. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I've told you this before and I use this in training a lot. I tell people to think of it like the airport, right? When you go to the airport and you get on that people mover and it's like the power of the people mover, you're all moving in the same direction. That's just, that's just dominant society and dominant society is whiteness and it's heteronormative. Mm -hmm. So if you're just like, well, I don't say anything, you know, against the LGBT community, that that means that you are on that people mover and you are moving in the direction of heteronormativity all the time. Yeah. You're just going with it Yeah, or, or race or w- whatever it is, able-bodied, all, all of the things. What you want to do is you want to be the person that is on that people mover, but you are moving in the opposite direction. Right. So you are talking about oppression. You are talking about it with your kids. You are saying to your kids, if they go to that fucking high school in Ohio, can we sit down and talk about how this is incredibly wrong, what happened. And even more so, why weren't they talking about that with their kids beforehand? Mm -hmm. Why did it have to be something like this to, yeah, to get you to start talking? Yeah. You don't have to have a gay family move in down the street. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be like, well, we've got a black friend. No, you have to be talking about this with your kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm guilty of it myself because being a parent is fucking exhausting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
But if you're not taking that active conversation of, of leading and teaching your kids, even when it's going to be uncomfortable for their white straight feelings or your white straight feelings, then you're on that people mover and you are just moving with the dominance of society. And I hate to break it to you, but the dominance of our society is whiteness and to oppress. That's what it is. Yeah. Yep. And that makes people so uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and and when we talk about it with our kids, we, we actually teach our kids to step into their power of, they can, you know, within their, their, their peer groups, they can then there's that positive, is it positive peer pressure? Mm-hmm. You know, when they, when they recognize and hear, hear the, hear the words and the things that come out of their friends' mouth and maybe their parents aren't, aren't saying something. And right. And I'm just, I'm trying to think of, of how it becomes a, all connected and that you can get, get, you know, get, get, the your, get your friends to come with you. Get, the, get, yeah. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. Get your friends to come with you. Like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to turn around and walk against the crowd because this is the right thing to do. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's amazing to me after like doing, you know, training for so many years on this, I consistently hear a couple of things that are always the same. And primarily a lot of my training is with, is with white folks, with white straight folks that are like, I, they genuinely want to learn how to be an ally, which is very like, that's great. Mm-hmm. But where they get stuck all the time is, well, I just don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, maybe I just didn't hear it. And, you know, it's like this inability, this cloak that we put over ourselves because we just don't want to see and acknowledge the real trauma and pain. And so we just don't listen. We just don't want to see it. And then when it's pointed out to us, we're like, well, I don't know what to say. I'm going to say the wrong thing, which is again, turning that focus onto you. Mm-hmm. That's your, that's fragility, right? When you're more worried about how you're going to look in a situation than the person that's actually being oppressed, what they're feeling. And so it's, it's uncomfortable. And it's definitely because especially like white women have been conditioned to be so perfect all the fucking time Yeah, that for them to even step out, if they're hearing like misogyny or they're seeing, you know, oppression, they're like, well, I have to be able to, to, to name it perfectly. I have to have a solution before I would step in and do mm-hmm. anything. And I'm like, why can't you just ask the question? Can't you just say to these high school kids, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Why would you do this to this child? Mm-hmm. Like ask them the question. Yeah. You don't have to have an answer. You just have to have the courage to ask the question. Well, and you said this to me one time, like, you know, with, with, uh, with the head, heart, hands healing, you know, yeah. kind of like model of, you don't have to even know, um, why it feels off. You just, you can feel that it feels off. Yeah. And then having, and then just being able to say this, I don't know why, but this feels off and I'm just going to name that part. Mm-hmm. And is that, yeah, I think, so I'm going to go over it really quickly in case somebody missed like was that, that sorry, part was of that our too podcast. Much no, of a... no, 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 it's totally, totally cool. But, but head, heart, hands, healing mm-hmm. is a really specific way to understand. Like we're basically, we're talking about equity work, right? Yeah. And so your head is that your head has to factually listen and learn about the experience of a person's a lived experience that's different from yours. So like, you know, you have to hear 
you know, what microaggression is. You have to hear um, what it feels like to have to code switch all the time, um, to, to, to not be believed, right? Mm-hmm. To have your, your story denied. Um, the, like all those things, they all have to get into your head. Yeah. And sometimes like, and I'm, I'm truthfully talking about like the way that for we, we have taught us history, right. Where it's this erasure of everything that was so freaking harmful to our, to our indigenous cultures, to people of color, because we don't want to feel bad as white people. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry. You have to learn. You have to learn it in your head. You have to learn how these systems work. It's not complicated. Yeah. Your feelings are not more important than hurting another person. So you have to factually learn that in your head. And usually once you have learned those things, you empathetically feel in your heart what it is. And you're never going to fully get it. Right. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, we can say like walk a thousand miles in another person's shoes. Like you're never really going to our lived experiences are ours, but you can open your heart to have empathy for another person. That's what leads you to your hands and your hands then is when you start to do work as an advocate, right? Um, what happens is that at least, you know, not everybody So don't even fucking come for me, but what happens (laughs) is that the head and the heart is painful, right? There's a lot of pain in that. And so white people or straight people, they just want to jump right over that into their hands and just jump in and try to fix something. And that's what we refer to when we talk about white saviorism, right? Because we, yeah. we're not bothering to learn. And number one, it's the assumption that without learning your head and your heart, mm-hmm. that you can just go to your hands and be actually helpful because you haven't bothered to learn shit. How many times have you ever walked into a situation where you're like, I am not going to learn anything about this at all. <laughs> I'm just going to jump in and fix it and expect that that's going to work out well for you not be really harmful to the people that you think you are better and more privileged and entitled to help without learning anything about their experience. Yeah. So that's where it becomes problematic. So anybody that's like, well, I really want to learn about advocacy work. And I'm like, I need you to get really, really comfortable being uncomfortable because you're going to sit there for a long time. Yeah. Well, and you never, would it be safe to say you never really get, just be prepared to, to never be totally comfortable with, cause you're always learning. You're always learning. And, and so again, it's that, you know, as white, as white, <laughs> as white people, we've been set up with this idea of exceptionalism and really what it is, is proximity to whiteness, mm-hmm. right? Because it's so dominant. Um, it's so pervasive. It's so what has been seen and it's everything from like, I mean, we could go into this forever and, and I won't because our podcast is an hour, but if you even go back and you look at whenever we reported about crime, mm-hmm. how many times the hands that were shown in handcuffs were always consistently the same color. Right. So it's, it is pervasive in our society that it has been set up like this for a really, really long time. And so to move past that, to acknowledge the harm and to repair and to build trust with communities we are so guilty of even like the media just feeding those biases that were already there. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not something that gets fixed quickly right. or without some serious intention and trust building. But like for people that listen to us, they're like, they just want to learn how to be a better ally. Like you absolutely can. I did. Mm-hmm. 
And I still fuck it up and fall on my face half the time. Same. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's no expert in it. You're never going to be an expert in another person's lived experience. And if you think that that's what this is about, then I've got some really sad things to tell you about perfectionism and the veil of it, but maybe we'll save that for another podcast. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Stepping into our power. Yeah. And this is the thing. Like, so folks are hearing me do it on this podcast right Mm -hmm. now. This is my job knowledge. This is what I do. Yeah. And I'm told repeatedly, can you step into your power? And then when I do, inevitably, it's going to make some other person uncomfortable. And they're going to be like, but could you not like that? Could you step into your power maybe a different way? Could you be nicer about it? That would make me more comfortable. Yeah. It would make me more comfortable if you acknowledged how powerful you are. (laughs) It doesn't make any fucking sense. I swear to you, Alex, I hear it on like a weekly basis though. I really want you to be a powerful voice, Kim, but maybe not in that way. Well, I don't know. What temperature should I go make your porridge over here? Do you want to come and like test out all the beds in my house too and tell me which one? Because I'm starting to feel like you're fucking Goldilocks. <laughs> oh my god! Take a sip of my water. Okay. While you're uh, drinking, should we talk about Landon Jones? Mm-hmm. So Landon, um, on another note, Landon Jones is a California high school senior who has been bullied by classmates since he was fifth grade for being gay and um there's a viral apparently there's a viral video out there um i got the the article for nbc news and he was like you know what y'all i'm fucking done you won't break my soul i'm fucking done i've taken it i've cried i've i'm i'm hurt i'm devastated and i'm i'm not gonna look the other way any any longer wow so he takes to tiktok he makes a video um posts the the camera footage from his home that has the the people knocking on his front door telling his dad does landon live here he's an effing f word an 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 effing f word and then like running away and hopping into a car it's like really (laughs) that's powerful for you like that's anyway that's the kids thinking that that's okay anyway i don't know what their mommy taught them <laughs> I, their mommy might be a really wonderful nice white lady yeah totally that just is not filling the gap the gaps exactly or she could be a totally bigoted asshole i mean it's either yeah. possible and I, said that and I and i don't know yeah, don't. that's just my own anger of like we don't know let's but, all do better but truthfully as a parent and like i know for you too like you sometimes, this is like the humility of being a parent too, mm. right? Is that you do get glimpses sometimes like from your kids where you see them do something and you're like, oh shit, man, I kind of fucked that one up. I got to circle back and and have the conversation mm-hmm. because, you know, our kids are growing up in a world right now where Herschel Walker, who's running for public office said trans kids don't go to heaven. <laughs> So I need like folks to think about how loud that voice is and that this is a person getting one of the highest elected positions in our country. So if your kid is hearing that and they're not hearing anything from you to say, do that fucked up. Yeah. Right. I would love to know how these politicians think that they've got a direct line into God too. And like, what are we doing wrong in our lives that we don't have that? (laughs) Is that sent by certified mail? Uh, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. 
I was going to say something about that Herschel Walker thing and I forgot, but anyway. Yeah. Well, he also has been absolutely adamant that there should be no abortion, like no exceptions to abortions. Except he paid the the woman. Except he paid one of his girlfriends yeah, to, have to an get abortion. an abortion. So apparently like his, his talk line into God, not only says that trans kids aren't going to heaven, but that he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Oh, I'm (laughs) aware. I was going to say, so usually the person with the lowest EQ in the room is the loudest. Oh shit. I'm really loud sometimes too. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean for that to be like, no, I got you. You know what I'm talking about. I do. Herschel Walker right now is really fucking loud. Yeah. Dick. He is a dick. (laughs) I want him and DeSantis to like, well, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to say, yeah. And, um, that I, we, you know, we don't hate men. We have, we have lots of lovely men in our lives and I'm just, I'm just calling. I do. Yeah. I got lots of great men in my life, but I've also had a lot of experiences that I'm like, were they just, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Can we get our shit together? If you, if you want, if you want to be in, in charge, you need to do the things that actually show that you have the ability to, to lead something. So I'm going to talk about, this is the, I think the last thing we're going to talk about is, is today is like, you know, cause you just gave us a really good segue okay. of what is going on with men. And, and, and again, like save your fucking letters. Like, I don't care. I'm not talking about all men. I have tons of great men yeah. that are in my life That's that I've worked with. Like, just d- d- put your fingers off the keyboard. Like, cause I don't fucking care. <laughs> I am a petty bitch and I will say whatever I want. So I have had this experience recently at work and, and you and I talked about this. I knew that I was going to end up taking a shit ton of space today. Yeah. Go for it. But I've been having this experience at work where um, I'm pretty open about the fact that I work for public media. I work for one of the the 25 major markets. It's a television station, two radio stations. One of the radio stations is um, it's a jazz station and it's like, it's internationally known. I, I guess there's, there's just not a lot of, of that sort of specialty niche market. Um, they say it's a jazz station, but it's also like deeply tied to like our Spanish speaking communities because over the weekends we've got everything from like, you know, different like Brazilian music and Chicano music and all salsa con jazz and like all these amazing, um, shows. And the, the station's been around for like 37 years, long story short, some shit got fucked up and some people that had been on the air. Um, are no longer on the air. Two of them were two of them were fired after the organization trying to work for a really, really, really long time through performance management, and it just didn't work. And then two people, um, one was a volunteer and had left, and one was a, a part-time host, and they left. And yeah. like this happens. And radio is one of those businesses, like most people know this, but like you could, and especially in commercial, like you can have a favorite radio station and like turn it on the next day and it'll be a completely different format. Um, because, you know, and I, we won't get into like the, the mechanics of that or the why of that, but like, that's actually pretty common in radio that people get fired, stations get bought, they will change their formats overnight. Okay. Entire shows of, of people that have been on like together for a while, they'll be like, yeah, it's not working. The energy isn't working. They'll get plucked and go to another market. Like, it's pretty common that that happens in radio. Long story short, it happened with us over a six month period, four hosts that were really well known in the community are no longer on our, on airs w- with our station. So this 
created this space with our community of they're angry. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people that are really angry because, and, and, and I honestly get it. And I think too, like, and I don't, I don't know if you feel this way, Alex, but like living through the pandemic, the last couple of years, like we've had enough change, like mm-hmm. can stuff just not like, I don't want any big changes. I want to know that like, I'm going to turn in my car or, you know, turn music on while, um, Rosie's like going to town on my foot. She, she's <laughs> under, yeah. Um, but you just, you know, you, you're used to these people being in your life and then one day they're not. Yeah. And I do think emotionally with what's happened to us through COVID is we have just an inability to be able to manage stuff like that, the way that we used to. So over the last couple months, we've been holding these community conversations where the community can come in and tell us like what they think and what they feel. This dog is like, what is going on? With she's you? feeling the feels. She's, she's like, yeah, I'm like, I, you, you're a special little creature. Um, so long story short, we've been having these community conversations and they're, they're, they're heated because mm-hmm. people are, are mad. But yeah. my observation of doing this the last couple of months, because I facilitate these meetings for the station, which means like, I'm the person that's like, okay, like these are the rules of how we're going to engage with each other. Um, I take all the questions. I moderate for other people. And really my job there is to make sure that everybody in the room is heard. Yeah. Take a guess who keeps showing up at these meetings and literally just takes them over. Um white straight males. I don't know if they're straight, but I'm assuming that they, they, I would say they present that way. Okay. Um, but it's been our white males, Mm -hmm. older white males, right. They have come in and have been like, they try to overtalk everyone. Um, they don't follow the uh, like parameters in which we give for engagement. They are angry. They are entitled. And it is, it is some of the hardest facilitations I've ever had to do because I'm literally like, we have heard you. We would like to hear from this person over here Mm -hmm. cuts them off. But my perspective is the most important and where it's made me like really fucking depressed Yeah, is I'm like, right. They act this way because they've always been able to. Right. That's their norm. They don't even recognize that they're doing something offensive and oppressive to the other people in the room Mm -hmm. because that's just been their experience. Yeah. So earlier or this past week, and this has been going on for weeks and I feel sorry for you because I come home from these and I'm like, I can't talk to anyone. I'm like, I'm like such a, I'm such an asshole. And then you make me like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you're like, it's okay, honey. (laughs) (laughs) I sleep in your armpit and it's fine. Yeah. But what, uh, this past week we had, um, a, a, a person come who was a white older male mm-hmm. and he was so obnoxious. And so, you know, of course it's a, it's a meeting where people don't know me. And so the first thing I always do is I introduce myself with my pronouns. Hi, my name is Kim. My pronouns are she, her. Well, I can see, and you know, it, for, for trained facilitators, like, and this is like a little like side note, if you're ever in one of these like group meetings, the facilitator knows they know they see your energy. We are trained to like scan the room and see like where your hot spots are. Okay. Right. And so, you know, you, we do things like we'll rock back and forth and our seat will be like, you know, g- getting ready to get in there. So like, I can see this dude coming from like a mile away. I'm like, here <laughs> like we body f- language tells. Yeah. I'm like, here we fucking go. Here's the older white guy. That's going to be like, well, you will all now listen to me. 
<laughs> because, you know, really we want something new. So please. <laughs> so he's, he, he takes his, char- he, first of all, everyone else in the room goes by the, um, the rule of like, you, you raise your hand a little bit and wait for the moderator. Who's me, the fucking queer ass woman being like, hi, my name is Kim. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm going to lead you through this facilitation which he did not like. So he doesn't even raise his hand, completely cut somebody off. He's rocking back and forth in his chair. And I'm like, here it fucking comes. He's like, well, you know, your organization, you guys care about pronouns more than people. And that's, I'm like, oh my fucking God. I guess it's beyond his pay grade to be like, well, pronouns actually are people, dude. You have them. I have them. We all have pronouns. The world's been spinning this way for a long time. Welcome. But then he goes so rude to me, so rude to the other woman who is a, is a Latina woman who's leading it with me. So rude to the program director, who's a Latino man actually puts his hand up in the Latino man's face and tells him, you don't know anything. And so it is, I am like, I am working my ass off in this facilitation to basically just be like, Hey, um, we've heard from you. We've heard from you. Can we get some other voices in the room? Like it's going on and on and on. Finally, the the thing ends. And afterwards I'm like, you know what? I guess I just feel like throwing, like, I just, I can't let this go. Right. Because when he said the comment about, well, you care about, you know, people and pronoun, I don't even fucking care what he said. It was rude. And when he did it, there were a lot of people in the room and they all, there was like a gasp when he said it, Mm. people were like, Oh, like, that's not okay. What he just did. But at the same time, none of us did anything in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I kind of stand by that because he was escalated. Okay. So you made the the call in that moment to just let it go. I made the call in that moment that I'm like, I'm not going to let this, I'm not going to give him because it was clear he was looking for a fight. Right. I'm like, and I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to take the wind literally out of your sails and just look at you and be like, okay. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. (laughs) But at the end of it, and everybody's kind of like milling around and leaving, I was like, you know, I asked my co-facilitator, I said, you, you know, this guy a little bit, like, is this okay for me to go up and say something to him about his comments? And Mm -hmm. she was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally go and say something to him. So I walk over and I'm like, Hey, you know, hi, Kim. Um, you know, can I have a moment of your time? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, okay. And so I just said to him, I'm like, listen, you know, pronouns are people and it's a core value here. It is something that we respect. I'm, I'm going to ask, like, if you, if you come to these facilitations again, like you don't, it's just a core value of ours. We're going to respect people's pronouns and we're going to respect the usage of them. Yeah. He waved his hand in my face. I guess I was like a fly. I mean, it was literally like he was trying to like, I'm like, is there a fly by my head? Like what's happening? Oh my gosh. And then he said audacity that I should be dismissed from the room and that I didn't belong there. So normally Alex, when I'm told that I don't belong in a room, I can pretty quickly whip some shit up to be like, oh, I don't do I. But that day, like, I was just like heard and I just chose not to engage with him any farther. I just walked away because Mm -hmm. I'm like, I just, not today, Satan. Like, I just don't have time. Yeah. So afterwards I was with my colleagues and all of my colleagues saw what he had done. Mm -hmm. So now there's people even more upset because they're like, this just isn't who we are as an organization, but yet we keep allowing the space for these, this, this particular identity to just come in 
and think that they own the joint Mm -hmm. and that they can just run over everybody else, say incredibly harmful, hurtful things. And we're all like sitting in the room, like we're just fucking stuck with you. (laughs) So, you know, I got up the next morning and I was like, yeah, no, here, hold my drink. We're going to do something about this. (laughs) And so, you know, I've, the, the wonderful thing about my organization and my, and the bot and the boss that I work for is she didn't need to be in the room for her to believe me because Mm -hmm. she is powerful and she has done the work that she needed to do. Yeah. And so she was like, Oh no, he's not coming back. Didn't seem to care how much money he gave the organization or who he was. It was just like, no, no, you don't get to come in and be that disrespectful to a group of employees who work for fucking public media. Right. There are consequences to your actions. There's consequences. And so I'll, I'll see what happens when I go back to work tomorrow. Cause this just happened, but I just, you know, if we're talking about stepping into power, this is the last thing I'm going to say about, it, and then we can wrap this. What are we doing that we continually keep the lens on what the older white male says and that their rules are the rules to go, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we're still bumping up against that power dynamic. And the second observation was I was believed by my coworkers and my boss. Mm-hmm. And I know the reason that I was believed is because my proximity to whiteness mm-hmm. and that we had been through this situation many times before, and it had been women and people of color that had been naming the microaggressions that were happening to them. And we have learned off of those experiences and listening to them, how we need to respond. Mm-hmm. And so yet again, this is being built off of the backs of people of color right? that are bringing these things to us. And as we are becoming better at the head, heart, hands, healing, we're learning better of how to respond, but it's the people that came before me of why I was listened to. And that hurts. Yeah. It shouldn't have, it shouldn't have been like that. We should have listened the first time anybody ever brought this to us. It shouldn't have had to have been, okay, we're getting better. We're getting better. We're getting better. And then a white queer woman says, and it's like, yep, we believe her. Right. So it's been a really, really interesting, like a couple months, just seeing how these different dynamics play out. And so I'm taking up a ton of space on here today, but I guess I just put it out there of like the time and intention to do advocacy work, whether it's no matter how you identify or what community that you're looking to align with, you know, just keep in mind that if you are not of that identity, if you go through, you know, learning the things that you have to in your head, understanding it in your heart before you get your hands, because I'm definitely not going to promote you to be a savior in it, Mm -hmm. but keeping in mind, like how much we believe people when it's not their lived experience, but they're speaking up for someone else's. And the reason is because we don't see them as being advantageous for themselves. Okay. Right. Okay. So that's kind of just like what's been going on when we're talking about power. So like on one hand, I'm like, well, I stepped into my, with my, into my power with this man and was so beaten back by it that I had to be like, I don't even have it. I just don't, I don't have it today. Yeah. I can't do this. Well, and it, it reminds me of like that, basically the people like that view power as a as a, and I've learned this, learned this, you know, from you and Dr. J, a power is a, is a a pizza or a pie. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's not, it's not. Yeah. He would have lost nothing to sit in that room and say nothing about pronouns, nothing. Yeah. There was nothing going on in there that we would be. But instead he chose to 
harm someone and yeah. harm an entire community of people because he was uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And what did it get him? <laughs> kicked out. It got him kicked out. <laughs> Truthfully, if he would acknowledge, hey, I I don't understand. I didn't even realize, you know, blah, blah, blah whatever it is that he wants to make amends with, he could be absolutely, you can circle back. Mm -hmm. But I believe he sent me an email, which... I won't even bother to read. I read the first sentence and I was like, this isn't an apology. <laughs> this is doubling down on why he's right. I'm like, and I, I, I don't need to hear it. He's still on the, still on the defense. Yeah. I'll keep people updated of what, what happens with him. But you know, I just, the, 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 there's, there's good and bad of stepping into your power mm -hmm. because in that situation, inevitably it is my job to facilitate these meetings. And sometimes it means that you get someone who's just going to be determined to belittle you in front of people mm -hmm. and much less being a queer woman. He did not like that. And boy, did he let me know. And in front of like a good hundred people. So power, even when you have it, even though I have it, and even when I try to use it, sometimes, man, you get your, you get, you get a little sucker punch there and you got to push away from the table. You got to take care of yourself and then you got to come back in. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of what we did this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, our, our friend Andrea and I have been talking about as we're building some of the how to be queer.com stuff. And we were looking at mission, mission statements and values and visions. And it, we were looking at different companies and our, this conversation just, just makes me think of, we looked up Nike's yeah. Um, and Nike's their, their values. There's five things. There's do the right thing. Always be, um, be on the offense mm. always. Mm -hmm. So versus the defense and serve athletes. And then athletes has a little asterisk and, and, and they define athletes by, if you have a body, you are an athlete. Okay. Um, serve the future, um, of sport and then win as a team. So like, I mean, that's apl applicable to like a lot of things. It is. So anyway. Yay, Nike. Yay, Nike. Exactly. Yeah. So. Well. That's it for today, right? I guess that's it for today. If you all want to share any of your stories or you got comments or questions, you can email us at howtobequeerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email me, um, Alex, at howtobequeer.com. Well, I just said that backwards. Hold on. How to be queer podcast at Gmail. I don't know. I don't know com. any of the shit. I don't even know that we had email. <laughs> <laughs> this is Kim, you just sit and look cute and do the one. Oh, no. <laughs> just kidding. Um, okay. You can email us at how to be queer podcast at gmail.com or me, Alex, at Alex at how to be queer.com. So um go check us out and on F Facebook, Instagram, go check out Youth Scene on F Facebook and Instagram as well. Again, visit their website at youthscene.org. -E and thanks for listening, y'all. We want to hear your story. We want to hear your stories too. I know. I really love when people send us emails. Yeah. Okay. Love we it. Love you. Okay. Say bye. Okay. Bye.